Hello, everyone. This is JJ from Keyword Crypto. I hope you're staying safe out there. We don't have any sponsors for this show, so go to our Patreon page at Keyword Crypto and support us there. Find us on Twitter at Keyword Crypto and engage with us. Let us know what kind of guests you want to have on the show. Avoid going out, stay indoors, stay cozy, and listen to some Keyword Crypto interviews. Right now, we've got Jing from Optimism, so enjoy the show. Right, keyword crypto. Welcome to the show, Ooh. Jing Wang from Optimism. Optimism. Wow. Well, tell us what optimism is. Introduce yourself, Jing. Optimism is a state of mind. <laughs> no, it's um, we're <laughs> something scaling... we really need right now. <laughs> a hundo p. Um, we're scaling Ethereum. Um, it's scaling Ethereum with a technology called optimistic rollups. So, yeah, I know it's like bad practice to name your company after your product because companies pivot, but mm. <laughs> here we uh, are. So before we get into what your what exactly your company does and what Ethereum scaling is and all that, how are you doing during this quarantine? How are you? How are you getting through? How is it affecting you? How is it affecting your business? Uh, when we were working on Plasma, Plasma Group worked out of my studio apartment and, um, the company office has always been my home. So I've always been a hermit and a shut-in and nothing has changed. <laughs> so when you say studio apartment, do you mean like actual, like one room apartment? <laughs> yeah. Like I had my bed lofted under my bed was my piano and like some art supplies. And then the rest of the apartment was big massive desk that we all worked around oh, and man, how many so people were that was the plasma team uh it was four initially and then it went down to three um but now the optimism team is six and there's four of us in new york but we're in a bigger apartment now <laughs> well, that's good so how does that work yeah. are you guys all living together at this point because technically you can't i mean are you afraid of like infecting each other if you leave um, some of us are a little bit more paranoid than others. Um, most of us still have our leases on our personal apartments. There's a little bit of overlap with a company apartment. So yeah, it changes from day to day. I don't know. People's paranoia levels fluctuate. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's normal, especially with people who are instinctually shut-ins like... <laughs> Like, like all of us. Yeah, like <laughs> everyone in, in the blockchain world seems to be, introverts are ruling right now. Uh, yeah. So your company hasn't, so your workflow hasn't really changed very much. You guys are still doing a lot out of, so that's very grassroots out of your own apartment, um, getting things done. Yeah, I wish it was like the classic founding Google out of a garage story, but it's really just laziness on my part. I don't want to have a commute. Well, that's not laziness. <laughs> so that's... you make everyone come to you? That is excellent. I love that. Efficiency. Like, yes, I don't totally. feel like going to work today. Can you just all come to my house and work from my house today? <laughs> yeah. That is I excellent. <laughs> I don't have a lot of room, but I got a piano and some art supplies. We can, we can make something happen. It's going to be eight people in a tiny studio. You can manage, right? <laughs> well, right in our new office, we have um, three bedrooms. So it'll be three of us living oh, wow. together. Um which is going to be crazy. I guess there's not really work-life balance or separation right. at all there. But just don't just don't start dating any of them. That's going to get awkward. 
Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so uh, before we started recording, uh, you, were, you were saying that, um, you know, uh, a lot of people that are used to working in offices are now looking at this time having to work from home as like, oh, I have more time to like play with my dog or, you know, I can I can knit. I think knitting was an example. Like what actually <laughs> for those of us that work from home and I'm one of those people, um, we're. I think working from home is one of those things where if you do it, you're kind of always working. I never can shut the doors. I mean, Michael knows I'm constantly busy. I'm constantly working. So having your office at home is not always a great thing. And I guess that that's for you guys. I mean, you, if, if you're even living together and working, it's got to be even worse. Well, I think it all depends on whether or not you enjoy your work. And for now, <laughs> we all seem to still enjoy it. Um, and we were essentially living and working together 24-7 for a year when we were working on Plasma um, because we all lived in the same building, um, not the same apartment, and we would spend all day working together. So it's worked out for a year so far. I think it'll continue to work out, but we'll see. So, hey, can so really fast, because I don't know anything about Plasma and I don't know anything about Optimism, so... Can you give a brief rundown on how that works? Because, like, were there more than one? Was there more than one team working on Plasma? Was it your team? Was it like how does that all work? Like, can you give like kind of like a little backstory on all that? Yeah. So um, there were multiple teams working on Plasma. Um, Vitalik, what, Buterin. Hmm? What, and Plasma is just for oh, sorry. those that don't know. It's it's a it's a solution for scaling for scaling Ethereum, making it faster and bigger, right? Yeah, so Plasma is really fucking good at scaling. Oops, sorry. Um, Plasma is really, okay. okay. <laughs> Plasma is really good at <laughs> scaling uh, scaling transactions. Um, you can theoretically scale transactions infinitely, but it was really good for um, decentralized exchange and payments. Um, Vitalik Buterin and Joseph Poon released the Plasma paper a few years ago amidst the ICO craze, and it got a lot of hype. It was really popular. Um, maybe like eight or nine different teams implementing Plasma in various forms and with different modifications. Um, so that's Plasma. It does not scale smart contracts. Um, I think one of the things we realized like 10 months into developing this supercharged transaction scaling solution was that there actually aren't any projects that are seeing the type of throughput that would um, push them to adopt a scaling solution that scales transactions like 10,000 X. Um, most applications have maybe like three or 400 active users per month. And there was also this additional hurdle of, this esoteric dev tooling. You had to learn a whole new tool chain. It was really complex. The documentation wasn't great. The developer experience was pretty shitty. Um, a lot of barriers for applications actually migrating onto Plasma. Um, and on top of that, it didn't support smart contracts. So my teammates, Ben Jones and Carl Flersch uh, and Kelvin Fichter came up with this thing called Plasma Predicates, which was a way to scale a certain subset of Ethereum smart contracts. Um, but it was really complicated. 
only the people who are super into plasma really understood what was going on. Um, and we were having a lot of trouble getting any adoption. And so that's when we came around to the idea of optimistic rollup. Um, the foundational concepts or the design of optimistic rollup was actually introduced by Vitalik in 2014 under the name Shadow Chains. Um, I guess we just memed it in a different way and um, optimistic rollup caught on. It scales not only transactions, but also smart contracts. Um, and our implementation optimistic rollup um, also gives you instant transactions. So what we were really gunning for here was a web two user experience for web three applications and a developer experience that, that imitates how people develop on Ethereum today. So same testing frameworks, uh, Solidity and Viper, you know, the OVM is basically an EVM emulator. Um, we didn't want anyone to learn like a new language or a new tool set. Oh, that's that an OVM? Uh, yeah. Oh, OVM I'm just going to jump our... in because I'm the non-coder here. So I'm going to jump in and be like, I don't know what that means. Yeah, well, it's actually, cool. <laughs> um, what, what I kind of want to do is unpack what you're saying. First of all, what is an OVM? And then we can mm -hmm. unpack what you're saying. Uh, the OVM is the Optimistic Virtual Machine. It is basically an EVM emulator, and it is the EVM for Layer 2, essentially, for Optimistic Rollup. It is the core engine which allows you to run smart contracts on Layer 2, which is never seen before. Uh... All right, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> so, all right, so let's back up a bit. Um, on this show, we often talk about scaling in terms of Bitcoin and you know how, how, how the Bitcoin communities have split because of that. In Ethereum, uh, the, the main problem with Ethereum is that, well, I guess it can get the network can get clogged up when there's too many people using it. Mm -hmm. We saw that recently when, um, when transactions were taking hours. Um, to go through, so just a couple weeks ago, yeah, like not not long ago, and so that is still a problem with Ethereum. Now, unlike Bitcoin, where you have to fork it and create an entirely new thing, um, or you know whatever you'd call it, Ethereum, you can you're you're talking about second layer solutions, so things that work on top of Ethereum, and Plasma is one of those, and mm -hmm. and can you very briefly kind of. Talk about why we need those second layer solutions like that. Why can't we just fix Ethereum the way it is? Or, or uh, yeah, like very basic. Yeah, I think um, people are trying to fix Ethereum the way it is. I think that's the goal of ETH2. Um, that's the goal of sharding and such. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really hard if you're not Ethereum, uh, an Ethereum core developer um, to navigate through. I, I don't even know what you have to navigate through to change Ethereum itself, but it is certainly politically easier and less resource intensive to just do your own thing on a different layer. That makes perfect sense. So uh, if you're a developer and you're not part of the Ethereum in crowd, then you can actually build on Ethereum and, and create solutions that make it faster and better. Now, when you say scaling, you're specifically talking about making it faster and have more transactions. Well, I guess that's kind of the same thing. Is, is there another definition to scaling? Well, I don't... Um, 
I don't know if it's exactly the same thing. You can have higher throughput, but not have faster confirmation times for transactions. Um, so what we have is uh, not only do we have higher throughput, the cost of each transaction is also cheaper. And thirdly, um, your transactions are instantly confirmed. So we created a demo with Uniswap um, in October called Unipig, like unicorn pig. Um, yeah, cute. And I'm you a can, pig. if you, <laughs> yay, <Officially. laughs> um, if you play with that, you'll see that there's no loading screens. Um, transactions are sent and confirmed super quickly. And if you're accustomed to Web2 UX, you're like, what is this shit? I don't want to play with this. What a waste of time. But if you're a crypto person and you've seen how slow transactions are when you're buying things like CryptoKitties or, you know, making trades on Uniswap. Um, it is a big deal. You're like, wow, there's no loading screens. Everything happened instantly. I didn't have to pay 30 cents and wait for 45 minutes for this to confirm. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because I remember I used I used Kyber Network maybe like a month ago, and it was it was you know from a crypto standpoint it was relatively smooth and easy, but I still had to wait a while for all the transactions to go through. So I guess the question that I have is. How how is it different than say like lightning? Because if it's not actually happening on chain instantaneously, is there and 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 I know like on the website um, and the demo it says it's still decentralized. How is it technically decentralized if it's not happening on chain? Are you asking about plasma or optimistic rollups or optimistic just rollups? So, uh, so I guess okay, yeah. That, that, that's think, a good question. How, how does how is this different than something like a second layer solution for Bitcoin? Second layer solutions for Ethereum, like Optimism, how would they be different? Um, so the architecture is different, even though it's a second layer solution. Like for example, um, I think the equivalent that you draw to Lightning for Ethereum would be Raiden, which is a state channel scaling solution, also on layer two. Um, I don't know that much about state channels, but if you compare Plasma and Optimistic Rollup, for example, Plasma keeps uh, transaction data off-chain, but Optimistic Rollup posts all the transaction data on-chain. Um, with or with Optimistic Rollup, you can always calculate the head state or the current valid state from the data you see on-chain. And so if you have an exchange and you want to know the current price, um, you can do that. Whereas on Plasma, you may or may not know what the current price is. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's, different that's architecture. Super, that's very yeah, technical. It's super technical, but but from a standpoint of just like, so I guess the, the main complaint that a lot of people have about Lightning Network is you have these kind of centralized hubs that if that centralized hub goes down, you know, it, oh, it kind I of see. screws everything up. And then, and then technically it's not really it's not really decentralized at that point because it's not actually going on chain. It's this decentral it's the centralized, you know, server or whatever that that is kind of doing everything and then eventually they put it on chain like a month later when they actually close the lightning mm -hmm. network. Um so how does so, that work on your end if it's it. actually because you keep saying it's on chain. Got it. So I think there's um an important trade off to delineate. Decentralization is on a sliding scale. Um, people use the term so we've, we've noticed, yeah, pr yeah. pretty loosely. <laughs> and with a lot of layer twos, 
there is um, a small trade-off you make with decentralization to get scalability. And so with Plasma, there was a central operator who you trusted um, who could scale things massively. Um, but that operator would put up a bond to ensure that they would behave well, I guess. Um, with optimistic rollup, you have a similar sort of entity. This person is called a sequencer. Um, one of the things that people are worried about with optimistic rollup is censorship resistance. If you only have one person who's ordering transactions, even if they do post a bond, um, how can someone prove that their transaction is being censored by the sequencer? Um, in our implementation, I, am I getting too into the weeds? No, I, I'm. I'm. I think we're following you. <laughs> okay. I, uh, okay. Great. I, I want to. Well, I. I just want. Yeah. No. Keep. Keep going. This is good. I like I, this. Yeah. Am I answering <laughs> the question? I don't know. Um, well, the the, the question was about decent, decentralization and how scaling on Ethereum is different. But I understand that they're also just kind of different beasts and what people consider decentralization. Like Ethereum gets criticized for having too much centralized authority in one place. But sure. uh, I, don't Vitalik, know how that, I don't know how that branches out. Vitalik gets criticized for being a central point of failure. Um, massive Bitcoin mining farms in China get criticized for being a central point of failure. Um, there's always these points of centralization and people love criticizing, especially on Twitter. So yeah. <laughs> I guess my answer is, Everything has flaws in some way. Um, for some of the really critical flaws, a lot of people who design these systems have put in place, you know, not perfect solutions, but good enough for now, perhaps. Who knows? Mm -hmm. um, well, yeah. in in uh, in in creating these these solutions to make Ethereum faster and better, do you have to keep the 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 idea of decentralization do you have to like always be thinking about that and that, that it's an important thing otherwise you might get criticized or you might be a, a point of failure on your project or, or or whatever i mean we see the reason that i think michael brought it up is because we we have a lot of issues with the way second layer solutions on bitcoin are run and some of them almost seem like they they leech off the network or they they give bitcoin a crush crutch that's necessary like you know Blockstream or or liquid and and forcing people to or they're use... just trying to be a bank so they can make money off of off of yeah. people like by charging fees and being a middleman so michael's question was more along the lines of of that like how 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 do these things work on ethereum and how are they different than just you know a, a company trying to make yeah just trying to get an edge in the market i see um i I don't think that the problems with layer two solutions are like fundamental to Bitcoin or unique to Ethereum. I think it's all about the teams who are architecting them, um, how much they really want to be decentralized, I guess. For us, it's pretty important, not just from a legal perspective, but, you know, philosophically, we're all in this together, blah, blah, blah. Um, we, <laughs> no, for example, you, <laughs> yeah. You hippie. <laughs> Um, I don't know. A lot of people in this space are hippies, and we're yeah. definitely hippies too. Um, but it's also important for us as a company to not be um, a central point of failure. 
Um, yeah. We don't believe that our company should exist in perpetuity. We think that the company should be there, do all of the uh, legwork in the beginning of you know, the network to build out all the hard stuff. Um, and eventually people in the community should start maintaining the protocol and contributing to it. Um, but if they're a great philosophy, it's great to hear that actually. Um, right. So because of that, we have to make sure that everything that we build will work without us. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, that's great. So has that been a part of your plan from the beginning? I mean, that's, that's, I think that's a great attitude. Most people are building businesses so that they can grow them and then eventually sell them or, you know, uh, expand them, make a bunch of money. But you sound like you're in it for a different purpose. I mean, maybe we can talk about what the business model is behind optimism and how it how it generates cash flow. Um, that would be interesting. It's, it's definitely I think um, betting on optimism is definitely like a leveraged long bet on Ethereum. If Ethereum becomes this global decentralized financial system and optimistic rollup is scaling it, that's a massive amount of transaction volume. And if you capture even a tiny portion of that, that would still be a massive return for investors, for founders, for employees. So we're just worried about getting the architecture right, making sure it's actually decentralized. if Ethereum is decentralized, optimistic rollup has to be at least as decentralized as Ethereum. Otherwise, who's going to use it? You, and when you say massive return for investors, you mean in the sense that the the value of Ethereum will go up? Um, uh, the value of Ethereum will go up, sure. And also, okay. we have investors. Like optimism is a company, right? But so yeah, but so that's what I mean. So. So break that down then. So uh, does Optimism make money on those transactions? We haven't figured out our business model yet. We've only been alive for about three months. Um, We have something called MIVA, uh, Minor Extractable Value Auctions. Um, We're thinking about using that to make money, but I don't know. Should I explain it? Um, I mean, yeah, go. I mean, it's okay. here's the thing because it's at this point it's, it's all theoretical to you because you don't have a business model. You don't have a business model in place yet, and so that's totally fine to 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 say that um, because that is a, a I don't want to say common, but it is it is more accepted now after Facebook showed right. that that's possible. So I don't think it's it's anathema to say that out loud, but I think it's also. Uh, important to be honest about it to be like hey we're just we got investors and we're kind of figuring out this technology and then we'll try to figure out how to make money off of it sure i, I, I heard a lot, i heard a lot from founders that um specifically go after users before any business model and that's important um to a lot of them so it sounds like your company is not a lot different in that case great thank you for the validation um maybe i'll tell you guys sort of how we're thinking about um, running a for-profit business with a decentralized protocol. Um, one thing that's important to us is that we'll never charge for the software um, or for usage of the software. And so that you know cuts out SaaS models and stuff like that. We want anyone to be able to scale any application. Um, no barriers to entry there. However, um, there's this really cool mechanism uh, 
that you can do on layer two. Um, on layer one, Ethereum miners make three types of revenue. The first is the block reward, which technically includes transaction fees, but also transaction fees are a significant portion of revenue. And then you have this third type of revenue, um, which Phil Dian um, introduced called MEV, Minor Extractable Value. And it's, uh, it's basically the money you can make with the power to order transactions, which is super fucking profitable. In layer two, you have one sequencer, and the sequencer has priority in the ability to order transactions. We assume that things like front running, even though it's illegal, um, and slow market arbitrage are unavoidable because they're extremely hard to detect and extremely hard to um, enforce punishment for if you can't detect it. So assuming that the sequencer will be making this type of profit, we are implementing a Harburger tax on the sequencer by way of an auction. A Harburger tax is basically a tax you pay um, on what you believe the value of the good to be. And so we think that in a competitive market of sequencers who are all vying for this extremely profitable position, they will bid up to expected profits minus some small margin. And so we plan to take this tax and extract it into a pool for funding public goods. In this context, public goods would probably mean maintenance of optimistic rollup itself or Ethereum, uh, developer tooling, community events, whatever it is. Um, we haven't figured out governance for this pool of funds or anything, but we, we want to create a public good. And we want this public good to have the ability to maintain itself. There are projects like Gitcoin who, or Moloch that get donations from whales and redistribute this back to um, developers and teams. But we don't want to rely on donations. It's a lot of human overhead and it's not a stable source of income. But if we can tax the entity that is profiting off of the network, to return a portion of those profits back to the maintenance of the network. We think this would be a really sustainable way to maintain a public good. So you kind of, I mean, you just, you're so technical and that's amazing, <laughs> but it's it's very hard for someone like me who isn't super technical to follow. Um, well, that was, th those were just the the ways that, that uh, the company works. I mean, it, what, um, yeah, but no, I'm just no. I I definitely need some clarification on. So, just from a fundamental basic standpoint, let's just say like I'm a user, mm -hmm. and 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 you keep saying tax. What? Where is the tax coming from? Is it coming from every time I make a transaction, or or do a swap, oh. or do like where are these okay, taxes coming actually coming from? Like who who are the people who are actually paying the tax? Okay, I think I might have jumped around a little bit. Let me start over. Super simple. <laughs> Users transacting on optimistic rollup pay transaction fees. These transaction also, fees. Also, Jing, I don't mean to interrupt, but keep in mind that we, I still don't really understand the way optimistic rollups work. You did, you did <laughs> describe them, but I, that's okay. I want to go. I want to see if we can kind of create a, a layman's description of them. But, uh, but first, yeah. Maybe maybe get back to what you're talking about and, and Michael's question about tax. 
Um, yeah. Okay, and, sure. and then we'll start working backwards. Cause I think, yeah. like, so, so if, if we can start from the basic standpoint of like, yeah, so maybe, 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 maybe it would be easier to say, you're talking to me. What is your, what does your product do for me as, as a basic user? Okay. Uh, on Ethereum right now, if you were to buy a crypto kitty or whatever transaction, your average transaction fee is 23 cents. That's pretty hefty. Yeah. Right. On optimistic rollup, it's about one tenth cheaper. So we're paying on average two cents instead for every transaction. Okay. For applications like uh, DYDX, who eat that gas cost for their users, it's a pretty big deal. Now, also, would I is that something that's running in the background, or would I have to choose optimistic to buy on the CryptoKitty so I could get that discount? Um, the application has to be running on optimistic rollup. You would have to have deposited onto optimistic rollup. So in the same way that you have to buy ETH to be able to use Ethereum applications, you'd have to deposit ETH onto optimistic rollup to use applications in that environment. So I have to know ahead of time that your service is a lot better than using just basic Ethereum gas to buy this crypto kitty. Uh, yeah, probably in the early days, you'd have to have a pretty decent understanding, but our hope okay. is as, you know, these experiences mature, it's all abstracted away from the user. I mean, so would you eventually want people who are making the crypto kitties to have that be on their backend so the user doesn't even have a choice? Oh yeah, for sure. We want all Ethereum applications okay. to be on <laughs> optimistic rollup. Okay. Okay. So then... You're saying the tax right now. So it right now, right now the twenty three cents that it currently costs for me to buy a crypto kitty, tax wise, Ethereum, you know, gas wise, that goes to the miner. That goes to, you know, their them being sustainable and profitable. So if I'm paying one tenth of, so if I'm paying one tenth of that of of two cents, how does that affect the miners? Uh, right. So the miner on layer two is called the sequencer, and there's only one of them. And even though transactions are cheaper and faster, um, the whole point of scaling is to allow more transactions to happen. So theoretically, the sequencer isn't losing out on profits, even though we're just paying two cents per transaction now, because there's more transactions. So, so it's like the iTunes model where 99 cent, song, cent songs means that more people buy more songs overall, which is why they made a billion dollars and, and pretty much shut out record stores, essentially, is what you're saying. I did not know that. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, because yeah, back in the day, an album used to cost like 15 to $20 for, for an album, and then and you could never buy a song, and then all of a sudden iTunes allowed you to buy songs. And so people are like, oh, I don't have to buy that whole album. I can just spend 99 cents. But when they found out is that most people were spending like 30 or $40 a month anyway, just buying 99 cent songs. Wow. And they were spending way more than they normally would on albums. And it turned them into like a billion dollar company just just on iTunes alone. So how is that related to what we're talking about? Well, because saying- it sounds like she's saying that right <laughs> now, you know, let's say 100 people are buying CryptoKitties at 23 cents. But if they make it cheaper and faster... A million people are going to buy crypto kitties so even though they're paying yeah. a less of a fee everyone's still going to make more more profit on the back end because there's more people paying that two cents versus less people paying the right. 23 cents is that essentially what you're trying to like what you were saying 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. okay. And because we have, sense. yeah, instant transactions, people stay on applications longer. So you're going to be the one paying the miner. So we pay you, we pay you the two cents, and then eventually you pay the miner to have all those transactions eventually put on the chain. Wait, who am I again? Optimism. Oh. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Hypothetically, hypothetically. Right. (laughs) Um. No exit. (laughs) (laughs) So optimism is not involved in the changing hands of money at all. We just write the code that does that. So when you send a transaction, that transaction already includes a transaction fee. And the sequencer or the layer two miner gobbles that up. What Optimism doing is we're also writing software that forces the sequencer to uh, pay back part of what they earn from fees on the network. Pay back to who? To some abstract pool of funds yet to be determined that somehow oh that's that's the <laughs> yeah. fund you were talking about that yeah yeah yeah, yeah to supporting coders and or whatever or or all night ragers and <laughs> yeah if that's in the please public interest please don't please don't let it go to all night ragers <laughs> and no. lambos for the for the <laughs> for the ethereum dance parties that's yeah. gonna be yeah <laughs> Yeah, decentralized governance is a whole other hairy beast that we're going to have to figure out at some point. So the sequencer is going to take some of that money and put it towards a fund, and the rest of that money goes towards the miners? The sequencer is the miner on layer two. So what about the miners on layer one? Uh, sure, the miners on layer one also get paid their transaction fee when the sequencer posts uh, data onto Ethereum, but that okay. comes out of the sequencer. Gotcha. Okay. Well, right. That makes sense. So, I just, I'm just trying to like follow the money essentially. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now we've got the mo- money. Sorry. Trail. Yeah. I haven't been very clear. <laughs> no, no, it's no, fine. It's good. It's, I, think I mean, got... you're, you're in it and you're doing this 24 hours a day. And what we, what we kind of, kind of come up against um, with, with coders is that they're in their head and they're so used to saying these words around the people that are also doing this that they just take it for granted, and then the, and sometimes they forget that the rest of us don't know any of those words. <laughs> oh, and, and it's it's really one of the things we like to do on this show is break things down into elements. And I think a lot of crypto users, and you, you know, most users of software, don't understand the way the software works, and but but they usually really don't understand where the money comes from and how it works and especially in something like crypto you think okay this is software that's decentralized everybody has access to it it's open source but actually there's a lot of people that need to get paid for what what they do and that's you know a lot of the controversy around you know how miners get paid bitcoin cash just instituted a new tax to help you know their developers stay yeah, because we've been talking Alive. about recently about like yeah. they're not going to be able to to sustain any kind of decentral decentral decentralization or security if they have to rely on whales because those whales are potentially if they're not anonymous they're going to potentially have specific desires in in mind and this is just like the Koch brothers 
you know, buying off politicians. They have very specific goals in mind of what they want these politicians to do. So why would yeah. a whale be any different with a coder and say, hey, I'm going to give you uh, $10 million to, to work on Bitcoin, but this is what I want. I want Bitcoin to do this so I can make more money in the long run. Right. So I think it's I think it's all very important that people ask these questions of like how are people getting paid? Is you you, you don't do this just for altruistic reasons. You you have a plan and it's good to hear that optimism is the 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 concept from the beginning was it was to be a public good and that was the way it was supposed to be used. So can we talk a bit about optimistic rollups and how they work and kind of maybe try to find the simplest description of this technology considering that i don't really understand the way plasma works um, <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> i i <Shit>. think <laughs> maybe you can help us and the thing is you've described uh optimistic rollups in comparison or in contrast to plasma but working from working with that what can you teach us about plasma and optimism and second layer solutions in general uh the difference between plasma and optimistic role sorry is that what well, you said like i i'm just i'm trying to get some 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 information about how how these work how what like we understand what a second layer solution is we've looked at lightning on bitcoin we've looked at liquid on ethereum yeah, what what is what essentially is plasma doing and how is optim how is optimism doing it differently? Okay. Um outside okay, I have of, an analogy. Out, so could because because you already said it it plasma is for transactions and not smart contracts, and optimism is for both. That's because you said that earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So so outside so yeah. So what what I'm asking is, I'm sure that the answer to this would take a long time, and it would be it would go over our heads. But I want to see if maybe we can help draw a picture of of maybe what it looks like for somebody who doesn't necessarily understand the code. Okay, um, I'm gonna try to um, give you an analogy for yes, optimistic rollup. <laughs> so um, rollup is basically just a way to submit state transitions to Ethereum. Just so let's not care about that. It's just a way of posting data onto Ethereum. Uh, Great. The optimistic part basically means that um, I'm making predictions based on information that I have locally that does not exist on Ethereum. Um, but it's information that can modify the state of Ethereum. So the analogy here is uh, bank certified checks. If um, I give you a bank certified check for $1,000, because it's bank certified, you don't actually have to cash it in at your bank to know that your net worth has now increased by $1,000. So just by me passing you this check, you can optimistically say your net worth is now plus $1,000 and my net worth is minus $1,000. But we don't have to actually do the labor-intensive thing of walking to the bank and standing in line and depositing the check. So on optimistic roll-up, you have enough information to deterministically predict 
the outcome of um, changes that you want to make or money that you're sending, computation that you're trying to do without actually spending the time, energy, or money to do it. And, and why is this important? Because I think this is a, this is because I, because I, I think it's really important for people to understand why this next um, iteration of cryptocurrency is super important. Because a lot of a lot of like gold bugs are like, no, 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 hard money is hard money, and you need to I need to send you that one Bitcoin for you to know and blah blah. But people who who work in economics and and deal with economies of scale understand that. That's a that's an impediment to growth. So why is it so important for us to be able to have that? Because if you're actually executing the computation on Ethereum, you pay Ethereum gas fees. You wait for however long Ethereum makes you wait. When you're doing it off-chain, it's cheaper, it's faster. The sequencer is running it on their, you know, on their own machine and they're posting the outcome of the computation uh, to Ethereum. By posting all of this data to Ethereum, anybody can go and check the sequencer's work. If they find that the sequencer has behaved maliciously or made a mistake, they can dispute the they can dispute this. It's like um it's like uh fuck <laughs> i mean it sounds it's like, like what teacher, you're saying it's, yeah. it sounds like what you're offering is the ability for business to continue without having to wait 15 to 20 minutes for something to actually occur on the, f- the first layer so i'm able to buy a cup of coffee without having to sit there for 15 minutes because of this because i'm handing you a certified bank check and you trust me that and and you trust that that certified bank check is going to cash, so I don't need to stand there in line. You say, okay, that's great, take off, as opposed to waiting fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, thirty minutes, forty five minutes for the first layer Ethereum to confirm all the transaction to, to confirm the transaction. That's what it sounds exactly. Like so so business yes. can actually <laughs> thank you. So so business can scale, business can grow. I can instead of having to sit there and wait forty five minutes to service one customer, I can now service a thousand customers in that same exact time period. And this is why yep. it's so the important for business for businesses to have second layer solutions. Uh, the difference between me paying for my coffee at Starbucks with Ethereum and optimistic rollup is that with Ethereum, higher gas fee, I'm going to have to sit there for a few minutes before the barista knows that my transaction has, has actually gone through. With optimistic roll-up, the sequencer is saying, oh, okay, this uh, Jing has enough money to pay for this um, coffee, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and let the barista know, confirmed, this transaction will execute, give her the coffee, and while that happens, I'm going to be bundling up a whole bunch of other transactions and posting them to Ethereum at a later date. So this is so, really similar to the the theoretical idea behind Lightning Network for Bitcoin. But what you're saying is that your sequencer is putting up a bond and not and I mean, essentially, they're acting like a third party. 
And what yeah, you're saying is that has... that's not necessarily a bad thing as long as it's as long as the person has a bond up and doesn't have any I mean, so is the sequencer going to have any control over putting some people's transactions ahead of other people's transactions or is it a completely blind sequencer? Like they don't they don't get a say in it's just first come first serve. In the MVP, the sequencer will absolutely have control over the ordering of transactions. Um, this is, you know, where a lot of people, a lot of people are making front-running profits. Um, in future versions of the protocol, we'd like to implement things like commit reveal schemes so that the sequencer can't, you know, blatantly front-run users. And so can a sequencer um, ask for more money to put your transaction first? Um, or what do you mean ask more money? for more money? Well, yeah, so, for so, sure. If, so, if, so if I'm so you have like, the option, yeah. So if I want to front run something, or just say in general, just say I'm a rich person, and even even with optimism working at scale, if rich people on on average started to say, "Hey, we're willing to pay ten cents to put all of our transactions first, and then all the poor people who can't pay that ten cents." their transactions just become slower and slower and slower and slower, allowing the rich people to have their their day-to-day businesses run faster and faster and faster, keeping small mom-and-pop coffee shops from being able to accept as many customers as, say, Starbucks. Like, that's yeah, my how you, fear. How do you protect against that? Yeah. Um, so two things. One thing, this already kind of happens on Ethereum. Um, you know, if you... You have to, if the chain is super congested, you can just put a massive transaction fee um, on your transaction and your transaction will be prioritized. Um, it's the rational path for miners to pick up the transactions with the highest fees. Um, secondly, uh, with a scaling solution, the rich people would have to be paying a lot of money to fill up a lot of block space to actually be squeezing people out. And um, the beauty of optimistic rollup is that because it also scales smart contracts and things like plasma and state channels are really just smart contracts, you can put plasma on optimistic rollup and get some fucking sick TPS. <laughs> I love that. Some but fucking that, so sick that's, TPS. So that's, um, f- you know, quote unquote, fucking sick TPS now. But how about when every single person on the planet's using it? Uh, the theoretical scaling limit for plasma transactions is really high. Um, <laughs> I haven't really thought about like what type of capa- like network capacity we need to um, shoulder the burden of the world's transactions. But uh, I hope that becomes a problem very soon for us. Yeah, because I think I, it's so something I have a question. That, oh, sorry, go ahead, JJ. Oh, I was gonna say, uh, I, I just want to talk about plasma for a second. I don't I don't really understand the technical details behind plasma, but I as I as I understood it, it was like having a bunch of smaller blockchains on top of Ethereum that that just were networks that were payment channels. What what is what makes it so special, really? Um it's like a professor of a like a teacher of a high school class can grade all the papers in the class by themselves. 
right? But a college professor has a lot more students, so they have mm -hmm. TAs. And um, <laughs> okay. if the professor is Ethereum and the TAs are plasma chains, all these plasma chains need to do is report a single grade from each paper back to the professor. And that's all the information a professor needs to know. So that's, you know, as Got the class it. gets bigger, the TAs have TAs and yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it's so, just a big network. Yeah. yeah. So can I, can I um, clarify though, the, what you said about how Ethereum people can already front run and people can already spend more money from a non-technical aspect in my mind, the whole purpose of cryptocurrency was to not allow rich people to have all these benefits in the financial sector that poor people didn't have was to kind of try to like level the playing field a little bit but it seems well, that's yeah that's one one use for it but. well i mean that's ultimately that's you know they wanted to unbank they didn't want people to have to be reliant on bankers they didn't want it on, on middlemen and all that like that was the kind of the the original vision behind the white paper satoshi's white paper and i and from my standpoint i was just like okay that's great you know like how do we how do we level that playing field so if a if a rich person wants to completely control a network and stop poor people from um, growing at scale, how can they do that? And so, like, is there so is that something you guys think about when you're yeah. working on optimism, or is it more just about like how you know? And I don't, you know, this is kind of like it, it, it's kind of a gotcha question, and I hate the fact that it's coming across that way, but. Is it something that you've thought about in the past? <laughs> you know? Sorry. Or is it just all about those fucking sick TPS? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we think about decentralization broadly all the time. Um, it was all we thought about at Plasma Group. It's a majority of what we think about now um, in like architecting the system. Um, there are a lot of ways for rich people to fuck over poor people. And I can't say that we have a holistic understanding of all the ways in which this can happen and solutions to prevent everything. Um, but certainly we've thought about, you know, censorship resistance, um, making sure that, you know, a state actor can't prevent people from using a network. Um, but honestly, I think um, rich people are already have a, having a ball in time on crypto and <laughs> yep. um i don't really know what people can do to stop it or if it is a thing that should be stopped well i mean ultimately the, the problem you know and this is no this is no knock on you and i think you guys are thinking about a lot more but i think in the beginning you can't have somebody who is a coder we can't expect them to understand the nuances of economics just like we can't under, we can't expect an economist to understand the nuances of code. It's like it's like people become. It's an interesting. It's become, an interesting be, place where. Well, people ahead, become Michael. masters of their craft because they're spending so much time. And it's like, and so if you're not a master of your craft, or if you're a master of your craft, you can't be expected to be a master of another one because it takes so many hours to become a master of a craft. And so, like that's a lot of the the complaints I have about. The crypto community in general is that they talk about economics like they're economists and they don't really understand a lot of it and i love the fact that you just said you know 
it's impossible for us to figure, to know ahead of time what rich people are going to do to screw over poor people because they're really good at doing that. And so, I mean, at least you're open about it and, and acknowledging that it's happening and you probably can't stop it because every time we come up with, like every time Congress comes up with a law, rich people find a loophole for it. You know, and it's just like, it's just the way it is. And so you just, it's like, it's gotta be constantly adapting and changing. And that's, you know, it sounds like you're aware of that and that's refreshing. I, I think it's an iterative process. I am, first of all, I'm not a coder and I'm definitely not an economist. Um, my team is super <laughs> fucking technical and we do a lot of like group reading sessions on, you know, things like common, like governing the commons, stuff like that. But, you know, a few like pop, you know, pop political science books are definitely no replacement for true expertise. Hey, that's more than but, most people you know. Do. That's that's exciting that you that you say that though. Yeah, not many not many people in in your position where they're working for crypto related businesses would admit that. So it's nice to hear. Yeah. Oh really? What, uh, <laughs> so, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if uh, if you're not a coder and you're not an economist, um, what what is your role at Optimism? Are you just the one in charge? Uh, I'm the pep talker. I'm the snack <laughs> oh, <okay>. order. <laughs> I'm the CEO. You're, you're the, yeah, that the podcast guest guester. I actually, I actually hate podcasts. I this is only my second ever podcast. <laughs> um, they scare so me. But yeah. my teammates are pushing me to um, talk more. Are you trying <laughs> to? Get, um, are you trying to 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 get optimism out into the world now? Are you? Uh, are are is that part of your job now as marketing, or do you just want people to know about it? Um, I want people to know the story behind it. Um, I want people to know why they should care about it outside of retweets on Twitter. But at the same time, we are not on mainnet. We're not in production. Um, so I'm not trying to build hype for something that isn't in production yet. So just trying to do some education but i don't think of yeah anyways well that's refreshing no, to hear too so many yeah. people in crypto uh you know don't do that they want to build as much hype as they can it's kind of cool to hear that optimism doesn't i mean you guys do you guys have a token or something that you're raising money with uh, I, I'm we've thought about so having a token it. um we've thought about having a token um i think token is sort of like a bad word these days yeah but yeah, um we've definitely considered it um, I think a lot of things are really up in the air. Um, the tax pool thing I was telling you guys about, this public goods funding pool, um, we've thought about taking a cut of that for X number of years. Um, we've thought about doing an exit to the community. But I think a lot of these things will clarify as we move closer to our goal of Providing a scaling solution that's actually usable, not just by developers, but also by users. Yeah, and you mentioned that um, maybe the last thing we can kind of talk about before we have to go is um, optimism has a it has a user interface, is what, is what you said earlier. There, there is there is something user facing about it, um, and like. Is that true? And if so, what is it? What does it look like? What's it going to be like for the average person who wanting to send Ethereum? Um, 
we have uh, we're currently working on deposit and withdrawal APIs for coming in and out of layer two. This is mostly up to applications themselves. Most apps we've talked to want to have control over their user experience. They don't want to redirect to our website where we instruct the user, you know, how to come onto layer two. Um, so it's probably going to look different for each application suited to their specific needs. Um, it yeah, sounds like so, it'll more as an API, uh, something that the say the the wallets or or vendors will tap into is what you're I mean. Saying. Is, is that what your example with Uniswap was about? Was showing that like we're going to a Uniswap page and instead of waiting ten minutes for the swap to happen, it's happening instantaneously. Uh, so like, yes, for sure. So I'm not doing anything. Um, I'm not doing anything with optimism. Optimism is just running in the background on the app that I'm using that I choose to use. Yeah, the Uniswap team, um, their designer, Khalil, did a beautiful job designing that whole user experience. But that that is Uniswap's interface. And we are just right. the engine that's giving the instant transactions um, and the cheap, scalable transactions. Gotcha. Okay. Nice. So so what is your, your kind of dream for Optimism? Do you hope that uh, eventually everyone uses it? Do you hope that everyone eventually knows the word optimism or what optimistic roll-ups are? Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's it's so new. You said you guys have only been doing it for a few months. So or, I'm curious. Or do you your... hope it'll be like TCIP where it's just running in the background and nobody knows it's what it even means or what it is? Yeah, that's, that's a good question too. Do you just hope it's ubiquitous? Yeah, I hope that nobody knows what optimistic roll-up is and no one has to understand it. Um, my hope is that the developer experience gets to a point where the developers don't don't have to know how it works. They just have to know what it brings to their application. That is the ultimate goal for us. That's awesome. We nice. might actually use that for the, for the promo to 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 promote your your uh, your company. I hope yeah. no one <laughs> ever knows what optimistic role. <laughs> 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 Um, well, cool. Well, thanks so much for for teaching us today, and um, you know, g giving us another. Uh, there were some really good analogies in there, and those always work for us in our audience. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you for being um, patient with my meandering explanations. You guys are awesome. <laughs> hey, man, we have we have very meandering questions too. Yeah. So. <laughs> so on Twitter, uh, well, let's see. What's the best way for people to follow you? We do, we do so much interaction on Twitter because it's what we got. But if somebody wants to know more about um, optimism or they want to know more about you and your business or just things related to you know, crypto scaling in general that you find resourceful, where can they go? Um, uh, <laughs> let's, let's start with your Twitter handle. What's, okay. what's your Twitter handle? At Jinglan W. Jing like Jingle Bells, land like local area network, W like Wang. Sweet. And we'll have that right. in the show notes. And then, and then uh, website for optimism. Is there anything up that people can search for? It's super ugly. It's really shitty. Unless you're there to look through our documentation, I don't recommend visiting it, but it is optimism.io. We also okay. have a cool animation of Nancat where we took out the cat and replaced it with uh, the Ethereum logo. Um, right. <laughs> but if you have questions about scaling generally, um, you can find a link to our Discord on our website, and um, yeah, we'll answer all your questions there. But don't what? don't don't knock your website too much because you have the demo on your website. 
Oh, right. Or, or we have the, a the, really the awesome link, demo. The, the demo. And that, you know, and that <laughs> yes. was for me. That really, because I didn't think about it until you said it. Until you said, you know, <laughs> that Uniswap would normally take, you know, 15 to 45 minutes for it to go through. And I was like, oh, yeah. Because when I did KyberSwap, it took about 45 minutes. Even though it happened instantaneously, the transaction still took all that time for it to, to show up. But you're saying it's happening instantaneously. I was like, oh, well, yeah, that does make sense. Okay. Because I've, I've, I've yeah, experienced like that. Yeah, like 100, so. 200 milliseconds. Um, it's really cool. If um, if you're a crypto nerd, I encourage you to check it out. Um, if you're not, then it won't be that exciting. But Yeah, and I, 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 tried <laughs> to read, I tried to read the notes on your site. And I was like, yeah, I, I don't understand any of this. <laughs> <laughs> so. That's good feedback. <laughs> Yeah. We need to pull but, our heads out of our asses a little bit and uh, yeah. <laughs> fix things. That's that's why we want to promote your you know your Twitter and your websites and stuff like that, even if it might not be quite developed yet. I think that the point, one of the purposes of this show is to try to bring bring people together and to point in certain directions maybe somebody didn't know about. Exactly. So keeping an eye on you know, um, I think that we got an I I got an introduction to you from Elena at, at mm-hmm. Beanstalk. And that's another business that's uh, you know, that's up and coming, doing doing cool things, and so yeah, she's so fucking know. smart. I'm super excited for what she builds. Yeah, well, um, yeah. So what what we we'd like to have you know talk to you in the future, maybe come back on the show, let us know how Ethereum scaling is going, and other news with optimism. So we'll do again. Um, thank you so if, much. If any of your listeners use apps where they're like, oh, this is so slow. Ah, it's so expensive. Um, please reach out to your favorite dApps and tell them to come talk to us because we want a holistic understanding of the pain points that people are feeling. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so that's everyone's homework. Yeah. Go out there yeah. and contact your favorite, favorite <laughs> but slow uh, dApp, dApp creators and tell them they need a to work with us. Tell them they need us. <laughs> yes. Yes. Cool. Well, Thank you guys. That was such a such an optimistic talk for such a dark time. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yikes. I mean. All right. I, we're gonna end the podcast here. But thanks everyone for tuning in. <laughs> <laughs>